A fatal home explosion in northern Colorado is prompting a lot of questions in the state about how oil and gas wells are regulated and how close to old wells new homes should be built. The explosion was linked to a leaking gas line running from a nearby well. The line was abandoned but not properly sealed. A statewide review of oil and gas operations is now underway. Inside Energy's Dan Boyce reports. Hey, girls, can you grab some groceries, please? Julia Chapman's just pulled into the garage of her home in Firestone, Colorado, about 30 miles north of Denver. The picture of a busy suburban mom. Two young daughters. Twin boys that are almost two. All of them blondies. Oldest daughter, Jillian, is 10. On the afternoon of April 17th, she and her sister were right here on their front porch. They'd just gotten permission to go play at her friend Jaylin's house. We were standing right there. We turned around and the house exploded. Jaylin's house, just across the street, two doors down. Seven has learned the remains of two people have been pulled from the rubble of this house explosion in Firestone. The house just split open. You could see the upstairs. It shook our home, our, you know, our walls. We came out and we saw that it was essentially collapsed on itself. Um, the installation was still floating in the air down the street. It turns out Jay Lynn was not home at the time, but her dad, Mark Martinez, and uncle Joey Irwin were in the basement. They were killed in the blast. Julia Chapman says when they bought their house, neighboring oil and gas sites just weren't something they thought about. We just sort of trusted that the city and the oil and gas uh, knew what they were doing. What has taken place here is highly unusual. That's Colorado's chief oil and gas regulator, Matt Lapore, speaking at a recent press conference. He says the state is looking very hard at this and is lining out steps for action. To seek to absolutely minimize any possibility of this happening again. I'm driving around Firestone with anti-oil and gas activist Shane Davis. Let's wait for something to happen and then, then let's try to figure out how to fix it. It's too late at that point. Two people died. He runs a blog called Fractivist.org. 118 feet. Right there. He's pointing out the distances between oil and gas sites and buildings. And right here is only about 170 feet. Colorado's population is up half a million people since 2010. That means a lot of new home construction along the state's clustered front range, which also happens to be right where much of the oil and gas production is. Inside Energy Analysis finds over the past several years, 50,000 more people in Colorado now live in areas where there's at least one well per square kilometer. The Martinez home, which exploded, was built 178 feet from an existing dormant well. Anadarko Petroleum switched it back on in January of this year. And when they did, unrefined gas started flowing into an old one-inch plastic pipe called a flow line. It was supposed to be sealed, but it wasn't. The unscented gas seeped into the soil near the foundation of the Martinez home, filling the house through a drain in the basement. This is creepy. We pull up to the explosion site. It's the first time Shane Davis has seen it. And it's, it's pretty sad. Flowers have been placed on the ground and woven into a fence newly erected around the pile of debris that used to be a home. 
After the incident, all wells in the neighborhood were shut down, and Governor John Hickenlooper ordered statewide inspections of all flow lines within 1,000 feet of occupied buildings within 30 days. Right now, a comprehensive state map showing where these lines are does not exist. The state says there is no more danger for the surrounding properties. And Julia Chapman, from across the street, she says with all this heightened scrutiny... We're probably safer now than we've ever been. But more new homes keep going up. And while new oil wells must be drilled at least 500 feet from homes, there is no state regulation for how far new homes must be built from existing oil wells. In fact... Right behind the site of the Martinez home explosion, workers are busy with the construction of a new apartment complex with nearly 300 units. For Inside Energy, I'm Dan Boyce. After a home exploded north of Denver in April, killing two people, the investigation into what is happening is underway, cleanup is ongoing, lawsuits are being filed, and people who live in that small community are worried not only about their safety, but about the value of their homes. The explosion was caused by a leaking pipeline attached to an oil and gas well. And in this part of Colorado, that kind of infrastructure is everywhere. Inside Energy's Lee Patterson reports. On Twilight Avenue, lawns are neat squares of green grass. There are lots of American flags, kids on bikes. And now there's a pile of rubble where the home exploded. John and Amy Bullers live down the street and are really upset. Oh, I am. I don't want to live there anymore. I have two kids. The Bullers pulled their kids out of school after the accident, and Amy took them to her parents' place in Chicago. They got even more worried when a few weeks after the home blew up, state officials announced they'd found another pocket of gas, this time right behind the Bullers' house. That same day, an oil tank exploded a few miles away, killing a worker. Amy wants to leave her neighborhood, but... We can't afford to move. I mean, we got our house at such a great deal like three years ago, and now prices have skyrocketed. This part of northern Colorado is one of the fastest-growing metro areas in the country. Home values have gone up 11% over the past year alone. But the Bullers don't think they'd be able to sell their home right now anyway. Like, who wants to live? We live on Twilight. There's a stigma. But there is. There's a stigma. Like, the second somebody says, oh, Twilight, yep, you're at that house that exploded. Find that out. Who was it? What did they do? And why should they be responsible? I met the Bullers at a meeting between homeowners and a bunch of lawyers. There's talk about a lawsuit over lost home values. Lawyer Rick Kirkendall came in from Miami. I mean, if one thing came out of that meeting tonight, it was this. People are afraid, and they're unsure, and they're uncertain. And that is a bad place to be. He has experience in these types of lawsuits. Years ago, he represented Gulf Coast homeowners after the BP oil spill. So if there's a theme to this case for me is there are things that can interrupt the American dream. What will the law allow us to do to get them back to where they would have been but for the accident? Measuring that kind of loss in home value is Ron Throop's specialty. We are damage experts, real estate damage experts. I met Throop on a bright, scorching hot day. He shows me around a subdivision not far from where the house exploded. Very great and good examples of mixing homes with drill sites. In a 2013 study, Throop found that just living near oil and gas development can bring down the value of your home 
from 5% in Texas up to 15% in Florida, depending on how close the drilling actually is and how used to it the community is. Assessing damage related to accidents, the stigma that the Bullers were talking about, that's a real thing. Throop used the technical term residual stigma. What it, what it comes down to is even after cleanup, cure, the prices do not come back fully to market expectations. Erica, good morning to you. We're right at the edge of where the fire stopped. I want you to take a look at this devastation behind me. That's what happened right after this accident. A natural gas utility pipeline exploded in San Bruno, California in 2010. Eight people died. The real estate market there froze. As one agent put it to me, sales fell, listings expired. Uh, stigma in particular is as much about fear as actual science. Throop has found that stigma tends to stick around longer when there is an investigation or multiple incidents, as is the case in Colorado. Still, there's a lot of uncertainty about how the housing market here will react. Operators have been drilling in northern Colorado for a long time, but so many people living so close to oil and gas, that's new. Greg Zadell of Zadell Realty has lived there his whole life. So I've been in business now for 37 years and has seen these changes. Zadell won't predict the future, but notes there just aren't a lot of available homes for sale, and there is a lot of demand. Every home comes down to a very emotional purchase for, for most every buyer. They all have their own hot buttons as to what they, what they want or what they don't want or what they can feel comfortable with. Meanwhile, current residents are installing gas monitors and waiting for answers. Around 30 people showed up to that meeting about a potential lawsuit over home values, and lawyers say several more have expressed interest since. For Inside Energy, I'm Lee Patterson. Colorado's governor is stepping up regulations on the state's oil and gas industry. Tuesday's announcement follows a home explosion in April that killed two people. One controversial issue his new measures do not address, reconsidering the minimum distance that the state's expanding oil and gas operations can be to homes. Inside Energy's Lee Patterson reports. All over Colorado's front range, pump jacks are framed by snow-capped mountains and nestled among subdivision homes. Communities are intense debates over this closeness. And, then, and we used to be worried about asthma and cancers. and, and Like at this recent public meeting with regulators, this is Barbara Mills Bree of Lakewood. Now we're also worried about our houses blowing up. Because in April, in a town called Firestone, a home exploded, killing two people. A pipeline connected to a well had been leaking odorless gas into the basement. The stated intent of Colorado's setback regulation is to, quote, protect health, safety, and welfare. But there are other factors at play. Any increase to the setback would restrict where companies could drill, so operators have fought changes. The efforts to shut down oil and natural gas in this state have been very devious. With political ads like this one from 2016, when industry dumped over $15 million into fighting a pair of ballot measures. One of them would have increased the state setback to 2,500 feet. That initiative didn't make it onto the ballot, but smaller changes have gone through. Okay, we're going to move right into the reconvening the deliberations for the rulemaking on the statewide setbacks. That's a Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission hearing from back in 2013. 
After months of contentious debate, they voted to update the state setback regs, increasing the distance between drilling and homes to 500 feet. It was a compromise between everyone from energy companies to farmers to home developers to concerned residents. The updated distance addresses nuisances like noise and lighting issues. But when it came to more serious problems like air emissions... There was not, in our opinion, sufficient, clear, undisputed scientific evidence to base a setback number on. Matt Lepore is Colorado's top oil and gas regulator. He says he would love a concrete number for safe setbacks. That would be fantastic. That's not going to happen. That, that was not the case in 2008. It's not the case in 2012. It is not the case in 2017. So are current setbacks adequate? Researchers took that on in a 2016 paper published in a journal called Environmental Health Perspectives, looking at existing setbacks in Texas, Pennsylvania, and Colorado from a few hundred feet to over a thousand. The conclusion was that these distances are not always good enough to protect people from risks like air emissions and explosions. On top of that, setbacks aren't set in stone. In Colorado, operators can ask for permission to drill closer than 500 feet, and homes can be built closer than that. Inside Energy found that since 2013, on Colorado's northern front range, at least 220 new wells are within 500 feet of homes. Randy Ahrens has all of this on his mind right now. At the end of the day, it comes down to setbacks. He's the mayor of a town called Broomfield, just north of Denver, where there's a huge oil and gas project on the table. 99 wells, close to a retirement community and a proposed school and reservoir. When people ask Aaron's why he's so concerned about safety, he takes out his phone. I just keep it with me and I show And shows them this. Oh, wow. It's a photo of a giant fireball, a blown-out well. In uh, Coleman, Texas, that... Like unit lost control and the flames were about 150 foot high in the air and that type of thing. Aaron's was there that day. He worked in the oil field in the 80s. And so with all that in mind, now as more oil and gas is about to move into Broomfield, he's supporting a setback of a quarter mile. But Colorado's Supreme Court has ruled against cities that have tried to exercise more control over oil and gas. Because although communities are the ones dealing with it on the ground, Regulating the industry, setting those setbacks, that's basically up to the state. For Inside Energy, I'm Lee Patterson. People and oil and gas development don't always make good neighbors. This is especially true in northern Colorado, where tensions among residents, energy producers, and lawmakers are playing out in battles over drilling projects. But the uncomfortable intersection of tons of people living on top of rich fossil fuel resources is forcing communities and companies to figure it out. Inside Energy's Lee Patterson reports. A young, up-and-coming energy company called Extraction Oil & Gas has an unusual business plan. CEO Matt Owens explains in a promotional video. Extraction was formed with the purpose of developing resources in urban settings. It's called Urban Drilling. Advances in drilling technology have allowed energy companies to access untapped reserves. Some of that happens to run underneath towns and subdivisions north of Denver, like the town of Broomfield, where extraction is hoping to move in. Drilling 99 wells on four pads over the course of a year or so. When Broomfield resident Becky Early heard about it... I was shocked, and I didn't think it would happen. I didn't think it would get to this point. 
I, I was shocked. I met her at a packed rec center in Broomfield during one of the many recent public meetings about the drilling proposal. Susan Phillips Spies is a member of the town's oil and gas task force, and for her, it's personal. She says wells would go in less than a thousand feet from her house. Literally in my backyard, yes. The task force has put thousands of hours into drafting new town rules, trying to get ahead of the game before drilling starts. They've gathered baseline data on air quality and analyzed regs from other municipalities. The rules include recommendations for air and water monitoring, a larger minimum distance between homes and drilling, and disclosure of all chemicals that could be brought on site. If they understand the preeminence of health, safety, and welfare, they might have an easier time getting what they want. So what is extraction doing about health, safety, and welfare? I went up to the 53rd floor of Denver's tallest skyscraper to find out. Uh, things like electric rigs, which, um, which we introduced to this basin, um, the sound walls that you see that... that Brian Kane, Extraction's Director of Public visual. Affairs, ticks through some of the company's plans for Broomfield, removing dozens of old oil and gas wells, reducing truck traffic by using pipelines, and they'll use new, quieter fracking equipment developed by Liberty Oil Field Services, shown off here in a video. Extraction's Senior Project Manager Chandler Newhall describes what we're seeing. If you go watch the video, you, they walk up to it, they open up one of the, the walls, and, and then you can hear some of the sounds start to come out of the equipment, and then they, they close the door on that piece of equipment, and then, you know, the sound's dampened by doing that. In addition to this new technology, Extraction says it will spend millions on landscaping so that all this infrastructure looks a little bit less like infrastructure. Now, all of this high- and low-tech stuff doesn't come free. In recent financial documents, Extraction warned that costs could go up thanks to all of these urban operations. That, coupled with the need to negotiate with the task force, begs the question, why even bother with Broomfield? Spokesman Brian Kane again. We don't really get to choose where the natural resources are. Um, everything, you know, north of Denver is effectively a part of the Denver-Julesburg Basin a basin with tons of fossil fuel production and tons of people. Here's Matt Lepore, Colorado's top oil and gas regulator. I, I think the circumstance in Colorado is pretty much unprecedented anywhere in the country. Colorado is easily one of the fastest growing states in the nation, so do the math. So the state has been forced to deal with certain impacts of drilling early on, sometimes before other states, passing regulations related to issues like methane emissions and groundwater testing. But for many communities, it's not enough. Susan Phillips Spies of the Oil and Gas Task Force says Broomfield is taking the lead right now. We're being watched by the state as a whole. We're being watched actually nationally. And if we can set the bar of how it can be done properly, I think we've done a good job. But the job is far from done. Earlier this month, Extraction weighed in on Broomfield's draft rules with some complaints. In written comments, they said that a handful of the recommendations on health and safety are either in conflict with state law or would make drilling totally uneconomical. The city council plans to make a decision on the draft next month. For Inside Energy, I'm Lee Patterson.